0: .NET Rocks episode 976, with guest James Montemagno, recorded Tuesday, April 10th, 2014.
1: Thank you very much, and welcome back to .NET Rocks. Carl and Richard, James Montemagno is here, and he'll be here in just a minute. Richard, what's up,
0: my friend? What can I tell you? Actually, I, I really went way back for my uh, my comment this time around. You'll love it. Hey, you're going to love what I got to share, too. Oh, okay, love it first. What
1: do you got? You want to just roll the music? Is that what you're saying? Roll that music. No chit-chat? Just be crazy. All right, let's be Live crazy like edge. that. Roll that music.
0: All right. What do you got? Play that monkey music. Play that monkey music. <laughs> you know he can play instruments, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What was that from? That was a weird conversation we had. I can't remember. You'll tell me later. I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, in honor of uh, James, who is fairly new to Xamarin, you know, fairly new to that whole thing, I thought I would give him a history lesson. Oh. So, in 2003 at the PDC, one Don Box was trying to recruit one Miguel de Oh, my God. To Microsoft, this is back in the very beginnings of... Well, not the very beginnings, but, you know, .NET was was coming around in... 2003 was 1.1, man. Yeah, like one, it's- 1.1, you yeah. Know? So, this was the PDC, and uh, we were there was a party on the roof of the Standard in yes. Los Angeles, and the Standard is one of those places where it's a hard door. Like, you know, you have to be in the VI- on the VIP list to get in, yep. and you walk up and they say and you are and you know that kind of thing you have to be dick clark's right hand man in order to get in but yeah, anyway or don box or don box right. right so so microsoft had rented the roof and the roof is one of those mod places right out of uh you know a 70s bad movie where the, <laughs> there's mushroom waterbeds you know and just weird Kind of stuff, but a yeah, very the egg chairs, all those things. The egg chairs, and you know, a little pool, and they show movies on the wall of the building across the street. Right. Yeah. Just very <laughs> weird, but fun. Okay. Okay. So there's a band playing, and it's called Band on the Runtime. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a couple people that I don't know in the band, but yours truly, me, I'm playing drums. And it's Don Box, George Bullock on guitar, Don Box is playing bass and singing, Ted Patterson playing yeah. guitar and singing, David Chapel yes. playing piano. piano. I think Francesco Bellina was playing sax, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And as I said, I'm playing drums. And as I said, Don Box was recruiting, trying to actively recruit Miguel de Acasa, who was then being courted by, guess Who? Who? Novel,
0: novel, yeah, yeah,
1: right. But at that point, he was just an independent guy, and the he mono was guy. doing the mono project, right? Yeah. So, and mono is the is what you know Zamarin uh, is all based on. So, uh, there's a video. There's a video of Don Box singing. First of all, there's a video of the whole band set, but Don Box sang. Miguel, to the tune of Michelle by the Beatles, to Miguel de Casa with the words, you know, Miguel, Novell, these two words don't go together well. My Miguel. And he's singing to him like, you know, like a lover sings to another lover. He and had they, a rose. And he would saying, Yeah, he had a rose. So he'd say, Novel, oh well, take our runtime and port it like hell. Novel, oh well, you know, just really funny stuff. <laughs> so the video was coveted and it was buried because, you know, for legal reasons or whatever, because you're using a, somebody's parody song or whatever. I don't know. But somebody surfaced it and Mary Jo found the source. And published a link to it in her article just a few weeks ago, and I'm giving you a direct link to it right now: tinyurl.com/bandontheruntime. And this is the only time you'll ever see Band on the Runtime.
0: Yeah, ultimately it was um, licensing issues. Yeah, that that stopped the uh,
1: that stopped Band on the Runtime from performing band on the runtime because. Um, You know, apparently the parody law says you can do the Weird Al thing and you can parody a song, you know, with something else. Like you can, say, parody fat people with bad, you know, uh, or whatever. You can parody an artist or a song, but you can't use a song to parody something else. That is not covered by the parody law. And so to do that, you have to make arrangements and come to agreements with the writers of those songs. And of right. course, as soon as they learned that it was Microsoft doing it, even though it was a private event, you know, a party, they were like, yeah, you know, that's going to be millions of dollars, please. Thank you very much. So,
0: Too funny. We stopped doing that. We stopped band on the runtime. I'm at this party somewhere, but I'm not in the video. Yeah. A long time ago. Well, the video's of the band. Yep. But there were a lot of cool, all the beautiful people were there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the beautiful geeks. The beautiful geeks were there. So, there you
1: go. A little history lesson. So and we funny. talked about this on Rocks way back in the day, of course. Yeah. But uh, we're, we're bringing it up again for, for James's benefit.
0: Well, and there's a new dance between Miguel and Microsoft, isn't there? Yeah, it's a
1: totally different different dance now.
0: For sure. Yeah. So, that's it, Richard. Love it. Who's talking to us? So I grabbed a comment off of show 693, August 2011. The show guests were Nat Friedman and Miguel Diacaza when All they right. were just forming Xamarin. Yep. Which is a long time ago. You know, that's way back there. And this comment comes from Rob Kraft, who says, I was about to stop listening to show 693 about monotouch. I had listened to the first 15 minutes while working out and almost skipped to the next show for my commute to work. But I decided to go ahead and listen because you never know which show may have that one jewel of information that makes (laughs) listening to an episode immediately valuable. (laughs) As I listened, I began to realize that the Mono platform was no longer about bringing .NET to Macs and Linux. Mm -hmm. It was about allowing .NET developers to use .NET to build iPhone and Android apps. That's right. My company is currently evaluating our options for developing for Android and iPhone, and it sounds like MonoTouch may be a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. I suspect we will give it a try soon and take advantage of the discount they are offering to .NET Rocks listeners, which I believe is probably expired. Yeah, well, we'll have to ask James about that. But yeah, it's a while ago now. Yeah. To date, I have listened to every .NET Rock show to the end. And this is not the first time I have gleaned a jewel of information near the end of the show that I thought held little interest to me. (laughs) Thanks for all the work you guys do to produce this show. It was a great community service. And thanks to Telerik and the other great sponsors for making us better developers.
1: It just goes to show you can't judge a show by its title. (laughs) <laughs> you just got to hang out with Carl and Richard and good things will happen.
0: You right? never know what's going to come out. That's right. And yeah, that was a few years ago. Hopefully, uh, you know, Rob, when you get this message and we send that mug to you, let us know how the story worked out. Did you build some apps? Because things have clearly evolved. Mm-hmm. And thanks so much for your comment. .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, Just write a comment on the website at com or on any of our mobile apps. We've got them for iOS, Android, Windows Phone 7 and 8, and Windows 8. And you'd never guess how those apps got built. (laughs) In fact, they were built by Diatom Enterprises. who would love to build you an app, just go to DiatomEnterprises.com. And that brings us to
1: James. James Montemagno is a software engineer with Xamarin, specializing in cross-platform development for mobile platforms, including Android, iOS, and Windows Phone. Windows 8, using C Sharp and Xamarin technologies, of course. Uh, he travels all over the place, uh, banging the drum about their tools for Xamarin, and, of course, uh, was on the road with us recently, uh, doing, the, doing the road trip for Microsoft with us. Welcome, James.
2: Well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure and an honor to be uh, to be on Donner Rocks.
1: Oh, great to have you. Hey, let's let's talk about the story of how you got to Xamarin and how long have you been with Xamarin.
2: So so far, I've been with Xamarin. So I'm a developer evangelist here at, at Xamarin. I'll kind of go into what that means too. But uh, I've been I've been with Xamarin for about a little bit over four months now. Uh, but it kind of all started back in the college days. <laughs> you know, actually, uh, I started. I lived in Phoenix at the time, and I had aspired to be a software developer. You know, back from high school, we had a C, plus class, and we were you know cranking away on uh, text adventure apps. And I was like, I'll be a game developer. This is going to be amazing, right? Mm-hmm. As every sixteen year old wants to be a game developer. So I went off to school, and in my adventure, I went to school, started making game uh, games on for Xbox three hundred and sixty at a small startup. Graduated, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it was interesting because. I was working for Canon on printer software and working on large enterprise level things. And I I loved C sharp, I'd found .NET and I didn't ever wanna go turn back, right? Uh, So I worked for for Canon for about four years. Uh, And then I went to the final PDC. It was funny you were talking about PDC earlier. So I went to the very final PDC up in Redmond. Uh, And at that time, Windows Phone was brand new, right? And Microsoft was talking a lot about Azure, a lot about Windows Phone, and it got me excited because I was a WPF programmer at the mm. time. I love XAML. I love the whole idea, I love C sharp. So I started pumping out a few apps. Well, funny enough, I also at the same time fell in love with Seattle just because I never really lived in a city city that was like small or you know, smaller-ish, but had the you know skyscrapers and everything downtown. So I never really got that downtown experience because Phoenix is amazing. It's spread out. It's nice and warm. Uh, but Seattle, you know, I just love It's So shiny all every day up here. Right. Uh-huh. So I just fell in <laughs> love with it. So I said, OK, I'm done with I'm done with software. I think mobile. I think this is going to be something one day. Uh, so I, I quit my job and moved to Seattle for a really small startup uh, that they were making hardware. So they were like a TV and DVR company. And they're like, hey, this mobile thing. Might be cool because no one else is doing it. Mm. So I moved up there uh, to Seattle and I sat down in my very first day. What year was this? This was 2011. Okay. Yeah. So not not too far. Not long ago. ago. Not long ago. So yeah, I'd been been doing games, did um, a desktop for four years. And then I said, okay, this is it. Uh, I moved to Seattle. And then they hired me. They said, you know, you're going to be our mobile guy. We want some mobile apps, like every company did at the time in 2011. They still do, right? Yeah. So so I said, okay, well, CES, I got hired in November. And they said, CES is in January, right? And that's the big show because they were showing off some new hardware that they were coming out for TV stuff. Mm -hmm. And I said, all right, we need apps on iOS, Android, Windows Phone, and Windows Store. Right? Yeah. And I said... All right. I mean, I was uh, they hired me at this point. I was in. I'd moved my entire life to Seattle. I mm-hmm. had no, no options, right? Right. So I sat down and I didn't know what to do because I was looking at all the different cross-platform apps. I, I didn't know Java. I didn't know Objective-C. Right. Uh, at the time, I still might have been carrying around like a flip phone. I'm not positive. I might have like an early Android, maybe a Droid at the time. Yeah. So I was like still new myself to, um, you know, uh, smartphones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I knew some Windows phone development. So I was like, okay, I got that down. Uh, so I looked at all the different platforms. I didn't want to learn JavaScript or HTML or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my buddy said, hey, have you heard of this Mono thing? And I was like, yeah, of course. But of course I hadn't, right? That's what you tell everyone, especially if it's your boss. <laughs> right? Yeah, of course I know about it, right? And at, at this point, I started browsing through the, the Xamarin website. It was all MonoTouch and Mono for Android at the time. I started browsing through the website And everything on my list was like C-sharp, you know, native performance, um, visual studio integration. I was like, this is the tools. This is the language I know. Right. So right away, I started downloading, got up and running with it. uh, And I had about 60 days, I would say, I have two months to develop these apps from scratch. And again, not knowing Android Objective-C. And of course, I could have learned those languages. But do you have
1: any Mac experience at the time?
2: I had, no, I didn't even own a Mac. Really, didn't ha- didn't have a Mac. D- I didn't. I still am not a huge fan of the Mac. Never touched an I- iOS device uh, hmm. besides like my friend's iPhone. N- no clue, no idea hmm. uh, at all. I was a Windows guy. I was a Windows guy all my life. Right. Uh, you know, lived lived and breathed inside of Visual Studio. Yeah. So during this development cycle, I-, I used a mix of both Visual Studio and Xamarin Studio on the Mac because you know for iOS you have to use a Mac. Um, for at least for deploying and testing. And at that time, the visual studio integration wasn't finalized. Uh, but I started developing these apps and, and luckily the project I work at, at Canon was like crazy architectured and with interfaces and all this stuff with models and view models. So I kind of knew the pattern mm-hmm. ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So I was able to architect this app and it wasn't, it wasn't just a simple app. It was for full DVR management, remote and at home. To browse all of your recordings, your grid guide, uh, start playback on the TV, remote control, uh, you know universal searches pretty neat. Uh, and so from days from 60 days ago to CES, I started grinding on this app and just C sharp, download all the docs, got up and running. Hmm. And this first app, I had it ready for CES on all four platforms to demo. Uh, and with that was my very first app on iOS and Android. And Windows, because Windows 8 was new, right? And it took you 60 days. 60 days to get the demos ready uh, on all platforms. Jeez. It was, I couldn't even believe that I had done it. Like, I got to the show in in Las Vegas, and I'm sitting there, and they're like, okay, we have all these apps, we have this new hardware, and they're like, who's going to demo it? And they they turned to me, like, is my boss, his boss, and the other 18 bosses we had, right? (laughs) Gotta have, like, five or six bosses. Sure. And he turns to me, he's like, who's going to demo this stuff? We we had already lined up like all these, it was like a closed door room, like people from Engadget and like, you know, Comcast, all these companies coming in, they had no, they didn't plan anyone to, to look at it hmm. or to present it. So I said, I guess I'll do it. I never presented before in my life um, to anyone. And I sat down, busted through it. was awesome because the apps worked flawless. Uh, people loved it. They're like, I want it right now. When can I get it? Hmm. Uh, and I don't know. So this was a huge like my first, success. No, huge success. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was pretty awesome. And and that app too, uh, I shared, shared about 70% of my code.
0: Hmm.
1: So it, did that success make you want to work for Xamarin?
2: So it was interesting. I had a few interactions. So I worked for this company that I was doing the mobile apps for, for a little over two years and I, you know, keep up these apps up to date. Pushed out new apps um, as well for them. Did some crazy stuff that, of course, got canceled because projects always got to get canceled. But about a, a year into the project, I was, I was, you know, these apps were doing great and they were getting publicized. So I re- actually reached out to uh, to Zamrin and just say, "Hey, like, I made these apps. This is really awesome. I think you guys might be interested. It's a cool story." Uh, and they actually. Ever since every inner, the very first interaction I had with them from support to to marketing to everybody was just fantastic. So I already was already turning me on a little bit. Uh, and I actually did some videos for them about the apps uh, and out of the blue, uh, about two years so two years into the into my old job. I got an email that said, hey, you know, you, I've seen you've been you know, blogging about it, tweeting about it. And I've seen the apps. Like, are you interested in this developer evangelist role? Wow! And already I was like, absolutely. Because everything I've seen and the love uh, that our customers have had for the product and my interaction, I, I was like a no brainer to me. I was like, I have to work for this company. So Wow.
1: So they came to you. That's great.
2: They came to me. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure because they're really based in San Francisco and Boston and I'm still here in Seattle, mm. uh, which is nice. So I was a little worried, but, um, I went down to interview in San Francisco, my first time in San Francisco. I sat down, Nat sat down with me, interviewed me, a bunch of uh, other ones, uh, people from marketing and sales came and chatted with me. Uh, it was really awesome just to get some face on with Nat. Like the CEO comes and inter- interviews sure. you day one. And from the, the moment I walked through the door, I was, I was blown away by the hospitality and how amazing everyone was. So that's why I was like, I'm in. Yeah. I have to get this job.
1: So you had really just started when we set out on the road trip then. Oh yeah. Uh, We were his first gig. Yeah. Trial by fire. Huh?
2: I I, I started at, I started at Xamarin. I like to say I started at Xamarin on a Wednesday. I was on the road by Thursday. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) Wow. They just chucked you to the wolves. That's right. Carl Richard will show him. Yeah. We'll show him something.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'll put him in his place, break him in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, uh, honestly, the first week, the DotNet Rocks Roadshow popped up, and I was like, this sounds amazing. Uh, I've listened to DotNet Rocks for a long time, and I uh, love you guys already. And I was like, absolutely. I got to be in on this. Uh, and I was on my way. I mean, we hit, what, 20 cities? Yeah. Yep. And a little under two months. It was, it was one of the, one of my best experiences in my life for sure. And, and just interacting with all the developers and everyone out there was a blast. So yeah, it was, it was fantastic.
1: And tell everybody what your app, uh, that you built was.
2: Yeah. So it was, it was pretty special on the, on the, on the road show. We, we try to craft a way to not only just explain what Xamarin is, it's this cross-platform uh, tool for iOS and Android and Windows, but also like all the native and awesome features that you can do with it, right? So I thought that, hey, well, you know, Richard and Carl, you guys have a podcast. You know, I could actually demo creating a podcast app for .NET Rocks. Uh, so I actually built that all out on stage. Uh, we started in Windows 8 and showed like a nice master detail flow uh, to it, a streaming back, podcast, reading in the RSS feed. And then I brought it to Android and iOS and reused all of the code in a portable class library, which is great. Mm. But but then what really topped it off was that we're always talking about magic, these magic experiences that right. we can have in our apps, right? And one thing that you had mentioned uh, during the talks there was how RDO, you know, they have the ability to start something on your desktop, pull it back on your phone, and you're picked, you pick it up right where you left off, or your playlist synchronizes no matter where you're at. Right. So on, on stage, which as long as the internet was working, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> which was a challenge sometimes. The the biggest, I've learned, I learned a lot in the, in the first first 20, 20 stops. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I learned a lot, a lot about everything presenting that you always got to be prepared. Uh, but so I went on stage and we tied up to Azure Mobile Services to synchronize timestamps of playback between iOS, Android and Windows. It was, it was really great. And everyone seemed to really like it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, very cool. So you you listen on your desktop, you pause it at a certain point, and then you pull up your phone and you start playing from the exact same point.
2: Oh yeah, and then we and then we even added like Twitter authentication too to top it off.
1: Yeah, just to make it extra fancy. <laughs> That's very cool. Well, it was a pleasure for us to do that as well. So what what happened to build with uh, with Xamarin? You guys were uh, pretty well uh, embedded with Microsoft there. What happened? What what was announced?
2: So there was quite a few things at Build. Uh, so first and foremost, there was at the keynote the second day, uh, they were talking about a lot about Azure Mobile Services. We were highlighted from bringing over a an app that they were tying up with their new services, and they built it, built uh, and deployed on stage an iOS app uh, with Xamarin to tie up to Azure Mobile Services. So that was like the first like really nice nod to us uh, and all the things that you can do with Xamarin. Uh, and then um, uh, Anders came on stage to talk about Roslyn, uh, which is the, the .NET compiler. And he open sourced it on stage, which was really awesome to see. Uh, and it allow a lot of developers and tools to integrate better uh, and kind of learn a whole lot more about your code mm. in general. So that was a big step just for Microsoft uh, to begin with. And then Miguel Deacasa came on stage and Miguel came on stage and Anders had showed off. Uh, he's like, okay, well let's have the string here. And instead of quotes, let's put it in French quotes. Right. And then we'll change the compiler to understand that, which is a really great demo. Yeah. So Miguel comes on stage and he says, he explains a little bit about Xamarin and he says, okay, well let's do this for iOS. And he pulls up Xamarin studio and there's a version of mono being uh, compiled against or run against uh, the, the modified, updated Roslyn uh, that Anders was using. And right inside of Xamarin Studio for an iOS app, the same thing happened. You could use French quotes and he deployed an app uh, on an iOS simulator, which is really awesome to see. Yeah. Very cool. So it was cool.
1: Roslyn on iOS.
2: Roslyn on iOS and Android. I mean, yeah, it doesn't get much cooler than that, that I don't think.
1: It's so cool. Yeah. Especially something so new, you know, I mean, our, our whole experience of mono, um, before, before Xamarin and before all of this has been they were playing catch up, you know, they were always a little bit behind, you know, before Novell, I would say. And even, even when, when he was working with Novell and, you know, now it's just seems like, well, we're here, you know, we're, we're, we're current and, uh, the new stuff that's coming out. Yeah. We can do that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We're, I mean, it's very exciting to see all the new technologies comes coming out with, uh, like, universal apps and shared code projects um, being compatible.
1: So let's talk about that.
2: Sure, yeah. So, so for
1: those who weren't at Build, what is a universal app?
2: So this is interesting because I think there might be – there's a lot of research I did right after Build to, to, to look at what is a universal app and what is a shared code project. And it's in Visual Studio 2013 Update 2 R.C., Okay. Right, uh, so it's basically a template, and and what they did is they've kind of fixed everything up in Windows Phone eight point one to play nicely with namespaces and things like that uh, for Windows Store applications. So Universal App is a template, but what you get with it is very unique. You get a shared code project, hmm. and and what you can do in the shared code project is instead of, normally when we're building apps, we either use a portable class library to share all of our code in one assembly,
1: hmm.
2: or or you would have just file linking, right? right. you're like, I'm just gonna link all these files. And to me, what shared code project does, it doesn't have any assemblies, it doesn't really have anything. It just kind of hides all of the file linking for you in a nice unified us- uh, user interface inside of Visual Studio.
1: Hmm.
2: So the idea here is that you take a shared code project and you just add it as a normal reference to your iOS, Android, and Windows Store, Windows Phone applications. And then any of the code in there mostly should be 100% compatible with those platforms. And if you were doing file linking before, you have branched it a thousand times, you double-click a linked file and it says, this is already open in another project, right? And because you might've been editing in Android and then you want to open an iOS, so that kind of it hides it hides all that for you and up in the toolbar it'll automatically tech, tech let's say I open up uh um podcast view model or something like that c s and what I can do is up in the toolbar it'll tell me which projects I've already linked this to or have added it to mm-hmm. and then i can I can see oh uh, I can do if defs inside of there for Android, iOS, and Windows Phone, and Windows Store. But I can write platform-specific code in there inside my if defs. Uh, But it will allow me to switch back and forth on the fly, which project I'm viewing, basically. So Mm. it's really cool because it kind of takes a lot of the complexity away uh, when it comes to creating platform-specific code um, in there. So it kind of unifies, I would say, all of your shared code into one nice project.
1: Wow. Yeah. yeah that sort of makes it just too easy. Yeah. There, are there it, any gotchas? I mean, is there any way that we can, that'll screw us up?
2: I, you know, I've just started really playing around with it. Uh, I'm a huge portable class library fan and NuGet fan myself. Uh, and in general, portable class libraries lend very nice uh, because they're platform independent, right? There's no way that you can actually put code in there that's not going to really compile and run on the platform. But it's a limited version of .NET, so it kind of scopes it down the more platforms you pick. I think the gotcha might be with some of the ifdefs and different maintainability. So mm-hmm. I see a lot in their sample code. They'll say, well, if I'm on Windows Phone, then navigate to this page, or do this over on Windows Store, or, do something different. So it's just kind of when it gets to like file linking that depending on how you're structuring your code, if you're doing a lot of ifdefs, it might be a little bit harder to read and manage. Uh, but I don't see any gotchas right now. It's it's not it's not 100%. You can do it with Android and iOS with Xamarin. There's a few blogs I've seen on how to modify the CS proj, uh, but there should be official support coming soon for Visual Studio and Xamarin Studio as well. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. It seems really interesting, and hopefully it'll just take the complexity away of things that we're doing on a daily basis.
1: Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. You know what time it is? Uh must be that happy time again. You guessed it. Time to stop monkeying around and get down to some mono-a-mono uh, mono comedy. Well, you wouldn't want to use
0: any simian humor.
1: uh huh Yeah.
0: Yeah. James is yawning. <laughs> <laughs>
1: nah. <laughs> no, it's time to give away a Telerik Devcraft Complete Collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But before I tell you who the winner is, we need to talk about the Telerik platform. Create compelling app experiences across any screen with the Telerik platform. Telerik's end to end platform uniquely combines industry leading UI tools with cloud services to simplify the entire app development lifecycle. Telerik offers everything.NET developers need to build quality apps faster. Try it for free at Telerik.com slash platform. Awesome. Yeah. And who's our winner, buddy? Today's winner is Piotr Mianskowski. Congratulations, Piotr. Piotr. golf clap for you. He just won the Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection, just about everything Telerik does in one box. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, Answer a few questions and join the .NET Rocks Fan Club. We have thousands of members all over the world. Every show, we give away great stuff like the Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection. And every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the fan club. Mm -hmm. But you got to sign up to win. And James, I don't know how many times you've heard us ask this question, but now it's your turn. If you had $5,000 to spend on technology, buddy, what would you buy?
2: Oh man! On any
1: technology, anything, anything you want.
2: Five thousand. Wow i would I would probably deck myself out with like an amazing touch screen setup, like ultimate big screen for the ultimate development setup. Yeah, and like a power power rig. I mean, because I'm running VMs and Visual Studio and all this stuff. Oh, I mean, yeah. to having a nice big screen with touch integrated would be beautiful.
1: You know what? We've we've done two of these so far. And both of them, that's exactly what they've
0: done. Yep, they've wanted big touchscreens. Big touch development systems. But it's hard to spend five grand on a screen these days. Yeah. Yeah. Most touchscreens, even, you know, a 27 inch touchscreen is under $1,000. Well, that's just part of it, right? You get a new machine, you get a new
1: touchscreen, you get a couple of devices, you get the whole package, right?
2: Yep. Yeah, you get the, the whole development setup, you know what I mean? Because you got to buy some, you know, tablets and whatnot too. Yeah. Throw it all in there. That's Throw what I said. Throw it all in there.
0: <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Everybody wants a mobile dev rig of one kind or another.
2: I, I, hear, it's a, I hear it's a thing that's going to take off. These Apparently, it's <laughs> hip. yeah,
0: it's the thing. Apparently, I mean, it's here to stay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, one of the things that I've really dug about this uh, approach to building software is this one development environment to work in, uh, one app uh, environment to build in, and then you build for all the different devices at the same time. So, when you add a new feature, everybody gets it. Because I've seen lots of folks where the iPhone app gets updated, then the Android app gets updated, and then maybe the WinPhone app gets updated. How hard is it to actually, like, what's the hoops you got to jump through to have one project that does all this stuff? What's the trick?
2: Well, for me, when I create my new project, I start right away with a portable class library. I'll probably start with a shared code project in the future. Uh, but, you know, I just kind of layer in my Android, iOS, and my Windows applications as well. And to me, it's about creating that nice, solid business logic uh, core library, if you will. So for me, when I was working on the apps for my last company, even when I'm creating apps now, and you'll see on my GitHub, I have tons of open source apps that I'm uh, creating and pushing out. To me, it's about... Let's create and unit test and get that core functionality solid. So once we have our base application in, I'm just layering in user interface uh, on top of it. And if you, you know, you can learn Android, iOS and and the Windows as well. They'll have their uniqueness to them. So to me, tying in the user interface isn't the hardest part. You know, you can pretty it up and make it better and better over time, but it's as getting that base core business logic that you're writing and you're writing it how you want to. So all in C sharp with async await support and all the great features of C sharp. Uh, You're laying that out, testing it out, getting your team ready, especially if you have multiple, you know, dot net developers on board too. And then you're just layering in the user interface. So ideally, you know, You're not going to have to write that business logic three or four times, and that's the stuff that's gonna that's the stuff that's gonna kill your team and your development cycle. And that's what I think we see more and more happening, or we we see happening too often, is that there's multiple teams working on you know these projects all independently, not talking to each other. So bring that code base together, right? And that's what I did. I was the only developer for two years at my last company, and that's all I did. I would base logic, business logic first, UI, 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 publish to the app stores, right?
1: So now the bottleneck, I guess, is the UI, right? I mean, if you have a new UI feature, or a new page, now you have to develop that on each platform. That's, gonna, that's where you're going to spend most of your time, isn't it?
2: Yeah, so and he, depending on the feature or the bug fix, you know, th- that'll be a unique uniqueness to it. Uh, but I would say most of the time, my development is in, that, in the business logic, not in the UI part of it. Uh, not, since I've been building apps for a while now, I basically have a one-button, create new app, uh and it lays out my user interfa- default user interfaces and assets that I want uh just and all my tool set that I'm used to. So I'm kinda up and ready and to go. So but if I wanted to add a new page, I'm gonna add in the pages. But then also make it nicer my uh, users of my applications too, so I'm not giving them the same experience on all devices. That might not look correct on their device, or not right for Android. It looks like Iowa. so I'm I'm crafting it. So take some time to finesse, and that's going to lead to you know better uh, response from your users, better App Store reviews, because uh, your users are just going to like your app.
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to manage. The, so these end up being a separate each view of your app for a given device is its own file. Do you end up with a folder per device that has all the views in it?
2: Well, so uh, for for, for so you're doing Xamarin development, right? So you'll have a solution. Yep. And you'll have your Android solution, let's say, and all the Android uh, screens are all Android XML, so that's the native Android user interface. So they're basically like XAML, but with Android namespaces in there. So inside of your Android projects, you'll have a folder with all of your layouts that tie up to the code behind and you'll, you know, tie those together and then call your your business logic backend. Uh, for iOS, you have either a storyboard design, which is like this big layout of your entire app that you build in Xcode or inside of our, our designer, uh, or you have like little independent single screens called Zibs or XIV files. Uh, and then same thing, you kind of lay that out. And then of course on Windows, you have XAML pages. Uh, so you'd have four projects. You know your Windows Phone, Windows Store, Android, iOS, um, but those are all referencing either your portable class library or the shared code project, right? Right. And so all of that's going to be shared. But yeah, you're going to do that on uh, on each platform. You know, customize the user interface on each one, tying into that business logic. And let's say you want to publish to the App Store. Well, it, it pu- you know it, it publishes four different apps because you're going to you know, compile down to the native uh, APK, IPA, or Zap files or whatever you need to upload to the stores. Yep. But it's all inside of one solution. That's nice. One source control, one solution, um, you know, all inside of either Visual Studio or you can uh, do Xamarin Studio on a Mac or PC for iOS and Android. Uh, so that's what's kind of nice for me is I'm inside of like, I use Git all day. So I'm, you know, put, you know, committing and pushing and pulling down code. But everything is in one side of one project. So that's what helped me over the last two years is going from not knowing anything about mobile to that's all I do is mobile. And now I just talk about it. You know, I talk about right. Xamarin and how much I love it. Yeah.
0: And do you actually end up setting, configuring like uh, a continuous integration process to spin off each of these different things? Because each, each of the files you're going to generate, the apps are going to generate now have to be sent to a store, right?
2: Yeah, correct. So uh, either on Android, you'll upload to Google Play or you could go to Amazon or or the other stores. Uh, Apple has their process and so does Windows.
0: In the Apple process, you have to go through a Mac?
2: You do, unfortunately. You have to open up, uh, you you go to the developer portal and you say, okay, I'm going to publish this app and you give it the name, give it the details and then it goes back to your PC and then it says, all right, Xcode, I know I want to upload this package. So then it uploads it. And I think you do that on a build server as well. Uh, and for continuous integration, we have docs on it on uh, on Xamarin.com when you go to developers on continuous in- inter- integration with TFS, um, uh, Team City, Jenkins, uh, and you can do that all. So you'd build up the projects and maybe deploy to like test flight or something like that, your iOS app, or deploy to other uh, internal testing that you might have, or even to our test cloud, which is um, going to be is our new product that's coming out that has like seven hundred devices all in a server that could test your app for user interface testing as well
0: so absolutely and i think that's that's part of the process here is really figuring out how you get all those apps out where they need to be i I don't want to let go of the ui thing yet either because i don't think we blink much about making android and iphone apps but if you're also trying to put put a win phone app as part of this build process i mean the ui is dramatically different isn't it
2: um well it depends i mean each phone has pages and different controls i think each platform has a unique a unique feel and look to it. Uh, when right. I started, when I started two over two years ago, and I didn't know anything about the platforms, I basically got the phones. I said, oh, "All right, what what's Microsoft doing? What's Google doing? What's Apple doing in their native applications?" And I kind of crafted my user interfaces around that because they're the you know they spent millions and billions of dollars on uh, user interface and UX studies. So I kind of just saw what they did, looked yeah. at the plat- patterns that's built in, and started there. Uh, On each platform. And to me, I love Windows Phone and Windows Store development just because I love the user interface. To me, it's getting up and running with XAML. Like I I loved it, especially if you're moving over from a WPF world. Uh, And I think Windows Phone has a lot of uniqueness of accent colors you can mix and match and make it feel very personal on the phone, which I really like. Uh, and then there's also unique features, right? Cause you have live tiles, you have widgets on Android, and you have a bunch of different unique features that you can then layer in as added bonuses to each platform. So, yeah, there is, there's obviously the, the, some customization that you're doing on each platform to make sure that it looks and feels correct.
1: Yeah. Hey, uh, can we talk about some of the projects that you, that you worked on or that you are working on?
2: Sure. So, well, I mean, so as a developer evangelist at, at Xamarin, which everyone asks me, what does that mean? I guess, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a weird title, but the title to me is that I love Xamarin. I love working on mobile applications. I love talking to developers. So I go out, I go to conferences, I go to user groups, I help um, developers start up user groups and help them out. So... And that's all I do is, is I'm like the community funnel, right? Just whatever you guys need, you come contact me and, and I'll help you out, basically. Right. Uh, and just kind of telling people about it. So one thing that I've worked on, two things really that I've worked on quite a bit, which is uh, I've been working a lot on NuGet packages and I'll talk about, but I worked on this app called Meetup Manager and I started a user group in Seattle. I've wanted to start a user group for who knows how long now. So I moved to Seattle and I, when I started with Xamarin, I said, I'm going to start a, a mobile.net user group and talk about everything from Xamarin to Windows phone to Windows store applications. And I had my very first meeting and about 40 people showed up and it was really exciting. Everyone was, was really passionate. And I left and I had no idea who was there. I met some people and you can only remember so many names. I was like, man, I didn't put out a piece of paper. I didn't put out anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, there's got, there's got to be an app for this, right? It makes sense. I'm using meetup.com. They have all the users that RSVP'd. And sure enough, their app didn't do any of it. Um, their app's fantastic, but there was really nothing for the organizers. So over the holidays, this is about a month into working at Xamarin. I said, this is, I'm just going to do it. I said, I'm going to do it. So I use MVVM Cross, which I know you talked to, to Shackles on one of the tablet shows. Stuart. About him. MV- yeah. Oh, Stuart. Yeah. yeah. Um, Stuart. Him too. <laughs> yeah. Stuart. Yeah. So Stuart Lodge, he makes this great framework on top of, of Xamarin called MVVM Cross. So in six days over the holidays, I pumped out an Android and iOS version, uh, all in a portable class library that ties into the OAuth backend of meetup.com. I architected it all like in an MVVM style and his brings data binding to Android and iOS, which is really awesome, mm. and a bunch of other things, plugin architecture. So I did all this and I published it out on the stores. And I said, here you guys go. And I got some feedback and one of our group leaders said, what about Windows Phone? I said, I didn't have enough time, I was flying home. I was like, but it's all there. It's all there right. for you, it's open source on my GitHub. In one afternoon, he had the Windows Phone app done. Huh. Because I already architected, he just sure. tied in some UI, data bounded up, right. one night he had it in and it was done. So, so that app's available on all three platforms now, it's open source on GitHub. And I think it's a great example of, here's something I did just over the holidays with my family, um, and I'm sharing it with the world.
1: So, does your family mind you working during the holidays? <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: so, when I'm at home, yeah, I, I do get slack quite often. I'm not going to lie. Because um, usually I'm there, I'm on my laptop, I'm, I'm working and a and family's watching Law and Order or something, you know, at night. Uh, it, so, six days on the holidays is not like eight-hour days, right? Oh, no, yeah. I really am spending time with my, with my family uh but my dad comes to me and he says he's like what are you doing on this computer he's like are you just like browsing the internet I'm like no I'm working he didn't believe me so I went over to him I said here's what I started yesterday um here's where I'm at today I'm like I'm building this app I told him the problem he's like all right that's pretty cool mm. so yeah uh and you so can stay you can stay <laughs> you're okay so as as long as I got the family time in during the day my nights were very very much coding yeah so I d- I did that and I keep talking to a lot of developers and they run into some similar issues. So I like to have nice, nice sample apps. I did a lot for channel nine some expense taking apps, uh, but I have like this real passion for PCL and new if it, mm-hmm. you know portable class libraries. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been, it, they're magic. They're magical how they work. It's really crazy. Uh, at deploy time, like it'll swap out your DLL for the platform specific one. It, it's really crazy. Uh, which is great, because if you need an implementation on Android or iOS or Windows, you can do some platform-specific implementation, but you code against just a contract, just like an uh, interface. So I made a bunch of PCLs and these great source examples of how to create a new spec, which is in to how to publish NuGet packages uh, for Visual Studio or Xamarin Studio, to pull those down. So I have like a cross-platform settings plugin mm. that allow you to tie into the native um, settings on each platform, but then code against the common uh uh, interface from your PCL. Uh, I have a bunch of samples like that on my GitHub. So it's kind of, whenever I go and talk to developers and I'm talking to everyone, I say, well, this is a problem. I can, I'm like, I can do that. So uh, I make it open source so everyone can see what I'm doing, which I think is great.
1: Yeah, you mentioned Greg Shackles. We did talk to him uh, and he mentioned MVM Cross uh, many times because he uses it. And I know you like it as well. Um, is there, uh, do you use that de facto now for just about every cross-plat uh, project that you use now or does it have to be a certain complexity or a certain level of sophistication or a certain number of features in order for you to say yeah i think i'm going to need mvvm cross for this or is it just the your go-to tool now
2: Uh, i'm like i'm about 50 50 to be honest with you i do love it Uh, i love i love all the benefits that are in there with the data binding and and the real benefit i see is this plug-in architecture with NuGet and pulling down all this stuff uh, but it, it depends on the complexity. I'm I'm building a an app. I started on an airplane back. I said, I had no internet. I'm going to build an app. Um, so uh, one of our guys, Mike James, he has a step counter for iOS. And I said, oh, I'll bring it to Android because there's a step API, uh, kind of like a pedometer. And it's just a single screen app. I didn't really want to add the complexity of, of putting that all together. So it kind of depends on the features I'm going to be using. There's a lot of other data binding frameworks out there too. Like Frank Krueger has one called Bind on his GitHub, mm-hmm. uh, which is really nice for all all platforms uh, and for PCL as well. So it just depends.
1: What is your you know yardstick for measuring that? Is it because there's a um a startup time or a setup time that that takes more time? If you're going to spend more time doing that than actually writing the code, or what is it that what that says yes or no? What's your yardstick for measuring, yes, I'll use MVVM cross or no?
2: Yeah, for me, it's a so it's a framework on top of Xamarin, right? So to me, I kind of leverage out what's going to be my startup time cost because there is some overhead with the reflection that's going on. Mm. And then I think about, yeah, how am I going to structure this? Is it is it enough and is it big enough that I'm going to be calling out to some RESTful services because that'll lend really nice to tying into this back end. So I think once I start doing like SQLite databases and RESTful services, and I'm starting to architect, like, do I have more than three or four screens, five screens, six screens? All right. Now I'm going to go ahead and tie this in. Uh, but there's also some gotchas too, because while MVVM cross is fantastic, it's, it's creating this cross platform framework. It's not abstracting the user interface at all, but, uh, it's bringing data binding to it, but at the same time, how do you manage with the navigation on each platform? How do you manage with uh, fragments on Android? And there's uniqueness to each level. So sometimes there's another level that you have to go through and set up. But what I really did like was before I left my last company, I was working on this big MVVM cross project and I was still the only guy. And I was like, I should train some people on this. And I said, I'm gonna have you sit down. I explained MVVM in general, had them, watch some videos and looked at my structured code, and they were good to go. So, to me, it's like, how big is the project? You know, for, for a mid sized project, it's really good. If you have like an architect and things like that in your company, you know, it's kind of might be up to them, right? So, there's quite a few things. The
1: larger the project, the more benefit you get. Is that good assessment?
2: I, I think so. I think the larger for smaller applications, it's it's been it's still nice for Meetup Manager. I used it, and that's does quite a bit. It does a lot of the OAuth, a lot of SQLite database. And it's about a five or six screen application mm. uh, in it, which isn't huge. doesn't sound complex. Uh, but I don't know where I'm going from here with it, uh, you know, you, as apps keep advancing and sure. uh, add features to it. So, yeah, I think the bigger one, the more plugins you're doing. it. But you have to realize that as it grows, as it grows and you're adding more and more plugins and all this MVVM cross stuff, you know, it's going to be it's going to grow your app in general. Sure. Right. So it's it's like a 50/50 to me it's up in the air sometimes yeah
1: but as your app grows and it, it becomes more manageable when you have MVVM cross it becomes easier to add new things does it not
2: yeah i think so uh, absolutely so as i was developing features i wanted to put in um like graphs and charts hmm. uh so i kind of just made a common interface and i you know was able to you know query all of the sqlite and then push it out to the graphs and charts and that was that was really nice um, in general, and then if you're doing maps or geolocation and geolocation and things like that. Uh, one thing, though, is that you're still doing a lot of the abstraction, too, since everything lives in a portable class library. Right. You're still going to have to call down and write some platform-specific code, too. So... um I, th- I think it makes it nice to add new features and the data binding surely helps, especially when bringing it to iOS and Android to easily get those strings tied up and, you know, is, is something refreshing on the screen and just tying in invisibility converters and things like that. So it, it makes it nice because it's almost like you're developing against the same um, you know, user interface um, data binding structure on everything. So I guess that, that makes it nice uh, that you only have to learn about MVVM to get up and running. But one thing that Greg said is that you still have to learn how the platforms work. You know, you just don't want to, you don't want to go out there and just say MVVM cross is the end all be all uh, because you still need to know exactly how Android or iOS works, how their navigation, how fragments works to see what MVVM cross is doing under the scenes.
0: Sure. Sure. So this is not about not needing to know about the platforms. This is about not having to maintain separate code bases for each of the platforms.
2: Yeah, exactly. So you'll still maintain some of, you'll still maintain the views and pages like I talked about earlier. Uh, but there'll be less code in there, basically. Right. Because all that code will be inside the framework, which is MVVM cross. Right. Basically. So Stuart's doing, and the guys that are on GitHub that are contributing to it on a daily basis, those guys are definitely adding the code. I'll, I'll say you would have to write if you wanted to add all of this data binding stuff to your uh, project.
1: It's sort of like the portable class libraries on steroids, right? It just <laughs> sort of extends that out as far as it will possibly go. Yeah. That's the way I like to think of it.
2: It's, it's very impressive, the, the framework and how far it's it's come since it started over a year and a half ago, I think. So.
1: Yeah, we, we definitely got to have Stuart back on the show.
0: I've already asked. He's just so busy. <laughs> but I I'm just looking at the GitHub projects. You want to talk about a healthy GitHub project? 40 contributors, 23 releases, wow. 24 branches, 2,000 commits. Oh, wow. There are people working hard on this project. Yeah. And you know, yes, and just over a year, like you said, we're on version three. And Stewart is such a great guy.
1: I mean, when such we thought, when we met him, he gave uh, he gave us custom made coffee mugs with our pictures on them. Yeah, and, and really cool stuff. Like cool. I know he know he likes uh, the Delta Blue stuff, so he's got like a picture of Yorma on it. <laughs>
0: nice.
1: <laughs> yeah, great guy. Too funny. Well, James, what's next for you? Where are you off to? Are you still traveling the world for Xamarin?
2: Well, I just got back from a three-week little tour. We had our company summit, and then a Build was last week. Uh, Yeah, to me, I'm kind of being everywhere. My plan is always to be home like half the month. I had Orlando Code Camp, Desert Code Camp in Phoenix. I'm going to be up in uh, Vancouver, BC um, at the end of the month for about a week. I don't know where that's at, but it sounds like a cool place. (laughs) I could drive up there. Uh, I heard that they have good weather and good food and and coffee. So I'm going to head up there and there's four different user groups. Uh, for me, I'm going to try to be everywhere I have conferences in the community. We started a great, uh, one of my true passions was around this user group community because our community at Xamarin is fantastic. People say, well, you know, what happens when I come in and, and use your platform? I, I give them the story of when I started, I said, Anytime I had an issue, I either uh, went on Google or Bing and, and searched for it. But most of the time I, I found myself in the chat or on our forums because the community that evolved around Xamarin as everyone's building out their apps is absolutely fantastic. I love all of our developers and I love interacting with them. You know, when I see someone, it's like, Hey, I saw you down in, in Orlando at the net rock show. Um, you know, I'm going to be going to Evolve at the end of the year. Are you going to be there? You know, th- email me directly. That's like, really special to, to get this feedback because they love that talk. Can't wait to see me again. Uh, so to me, it's, it's just wherever people want to learn about Xamarin. I'm going to try to be everywhere.
1: What's the best way for people to get to uh, ask a question or, you know, get in touch with you?
2: In general, you can find me on Twitter at James Montemagno. I'm sure we'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Uh, directly email me on the forums. It's just my name at xamarin.com. Not my name, but James jamesponsamino at xamarin.com. Anything you need, I'm always on Twitter all day. Uh, and if you're starting a user group or going to a user group, let them know because all the user group leaders are in contact with me. We have sponsorship programs that we put together for them. So to me, it's all about trying to give back to this amazing community uh, every single day and then creating these great projects and anything you guys need, that's what I'm here for. That's what I love doing. That's so great, James. Yeah.
1: Well, just keep being awesome. Great company, and you're a great guy. Thanks. Thanks.
2: You too. You guys, you guys are simply amazing. I said, when, I, when we finished the road show, I said I couldn't have asked for uh, a, two, two better guys to, to, to go on this road show with. It was absolutely a blast and fantastic, and I'll definitely remember it for the rest of my life.
1: Oh Well, thank you very much. We had a great yeah. time,
0: too, didn't we, Richard? we certainly did and he was definitely the best behaved of the bunch of i us. certainly agree with that
2: i i, I do my best to say to say calm and you know tame you know so i was the new guy i was the new guy too, that's so right we'll see you, you know i'll see you in a year or
1: two all right hey thanks again and we'll see you next time on dot net rocks